Good afternoon. My name is Yvonne McAteer. Welcome to episode two, The State of Home Healthcare. Where do we go from here? Managing regulatory impact, growth, and expansion of services. I have the great pleasure of having with me again today, Marcy Tetterton, the Executive Director for the Virginia Association of Home Care and Hospice, otherwise known and referenced as VOC. Marcy has 35 years of experience in health policy. She's got extensive experience as a CEO, both working on profitability as well as successful business models. She's been leading VOC for over 16 years uh, with a focus on impact of legislative and regulatory mandates to a wide variety of stakeholders that she's navigating and working with every single day. She has extensive experience in association management, committee development, which is so important to um, bringing great solutions to the industry. She has worked in her tenure at Bach with over 500 home healthcare agencies with not only day-to-day -day oper operational support, but also strategic planning, which we see is gonna be all the more prevalent and important in 2021 and beyond. She holds a BA from Business Administration from Mary Baldwin, an MS in Gerontology from the Medical College of Virginia, Virginia Commonwealth University, and has a certificate in association management. On a personal basis, she enjoys gardening. She knows so much about trees. Uh, she is an avid dog trainer, and I say this on every episode, it is more than sit or stay. What she does with animals is far more complicated and amazing uh, than the fundamental training. So always feel free to reach out to her for tips, as I do regularly. Um, our primary topics for today, operationalizing COVID procedures, uh, a vaccine update, very important to stay up to date with real-time information with Marthy will be sharing, um, and home care as the preferred model and the trends that we're seeing in terms of that really being the solution of choice and what that means for the marketplace. So with that background, Marcy, thank you so much for joining me again. For those that didn't join us last time, can you provide an overview of Virginia Association for Home and Hospice Care. I'd be delighted to do that, Yvonne. Um, thank you for the, uh, the introduction. It's always a pleasure to work with you. Uh, the Virginia Association for Home Care and Hospice represents the interest of uh, the home health and hospice industry across Virginia. Um, we are, our mission is to provide education, uh, advocacy with a focus on uh, quality and quality improvement. The association was founded in 1983 by a, a small group of for-profit, not-for-profit not uh, home care owners and organizations. Uh, they saw a need as the industry was growing and, and in, in, in burgeoning uh, as being regulated by state and federal governments, a need to have that uh, uh, collective uh, representation, particularly on, in regulatory and legislative issues. Uh, we take great pride in our strong guidance that we give to the uh, industry um, through educational programmings to not, uh, not only on uh, operational, but to the professional staff working in those agencies. Uh, and we really focus on helping get results uh, for them. Uh, I think uniquely, Virginia is focused on Virginia, Virginia law and statutes and trends. And, uh, that's where that's where we really focus uh, a good amount of our 
uh, efforts and energy. Great, thank you for that backdrop. And you mentioned already a couple of things, the regulatory component, um, as well as the focus on quality of care, which I know we're gonna kind of dig into. But to that point about the regulatory component, a lot has happened since our last episode. <laughs> it seems like so long ago, and yet time is moving so uh, quickly. The vaccines are on the way. Uh, the Legislative Assembly has wrapped, and agencies are really moving forward with operationalizing all these new processes and really poising themselves for growth. Can you tell us, you know, I don't want to um, gloss over vaccines and COVID procedures and testing, which you've made uh, the point before about the criticality of that. What are the recent updates in that arena and what are the priorities for VOC and your members in that area? Great, great questions. Uh, and and uh, uh, as we expected, uh, we're beginning to see significant growth in the utilization of uh, home health and hospice services provided in an individual home. Um, and that, that really spurred on by some of the uh, tragedies you heard about in the institutional settings uh, with, with, the, with the COVID. Um, and, and we've long known that uh, not over 90% of seniors would prefer to receive services and care at home. And with some of the new technologies we have now with the telehealth and other technologies, we're much more able to uh, leverage uh, in-home care uh, services and, and, and the levels of skills and uh, technical care that can be delivered is really amazing at, at times. So we're excited about that. We ex really expect to continue to see growth in that area. Um, one, of the, one of the things that, that, that we continue to work on is this whole issue of social isolation. And I, you and I have talked about that uh, before. Um, so we're, we're working with members to uh, help meet some of those, some of those, those issues that some of the older adults are, are feeling. But of course, with the vaccine, it sort of opened up a whole new world for many people. And we're starting to see uh, small pods of uh, family groups and others be able to communicate and uh, be together and actually hug and touch each other, which is yeah. a very, very important component of, 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 life. Um, I think uh, we, we have, we continue to work on a state level with the Virginia Department of Health in a leadership role. Um, we've had a lot of discussions about the COVID vaccine and its applicability in the home care setting. Um, we continue to have uh, vaccine, vaccine shortages, so people need to be patient. Uh, we, we'll continue to have the mass vaccination sites. I did want to tell everybody that for those that are uh, significantly frail uh, and have, or have great difficulty leaving their homes, a lot of the local emergency uh, EMS, emergency medical service providers will do in-home vaccination. So um, I encourage people to reach out uh, for that if they have a special circumstance. Uh, matter of fact, I just had a friend that is uh, medically fragile that had her first vaccination today and she's, a, wow. she's, she's really excited. Uh, of course, she's afraid she may get sick, but uh, uh, she really wants to, she wanted to be vaccinated uh, for a very good reason. So yeah. um, we're happy that we've been able to work through that. Um, I will tell you that there's been a lot of discussions again about what, what home care's role is. Uh, with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. I believe you and I talked about this the other day. 
um, since that's a one and go vaccination, uh, as that becomes more readily available, uh, we can expect to see uh, back more vaccinations being done in the home, in home care and hospice uh, in, in the future because it's uh, the transport is so much easier with that. It doesn't require the super cold refrigeration. So we're getting there. Be patient. Uh, I encourage everybody to be patient about that. We were uh, very uh, fortunate uh, to meet with the health department and uh, they reordered some more of the Binex now, uh, quick test. Uh, specifically for home care providers. Uh, so those are still available to agencies uh, through uh, the state stockpile. Uh, uh, agencies that are using that are having great success, uh, mm -hmm. keeping their staff healthy um, and, and working, which has been, which was a really big issue early on with the, uh, with the virus. So we're, we're excited about some of the things we've done and we continue to work with our state park partners. Yeah. So thank you for that. And a couple, I, when we spoke the other day, you had mentioned the testing, which has fallen a little off of the radar publicly, right? Because all the news is about the vaccine, but so important to have that stockpile available for the, the purposes that you noted. So great progress, um, definitely movement forward. But to your point, um, VOC and, and the agencies are still focused on what needs to be done to get this really widespread and truly behind us. So the other big thing that happens <laughs> since we last met was the Virginia Legislative Assembly has wrapped. Uh, can you share the successes for home health care agencies that VOC has been fighting for all this time um, and some of the outcomes of that work as a result of the General Assembly? Oh, absolutely. Um, I know you've been following our work for the past several months in this particular uh, area. We, yes, we are still waiting for the governor to uh, sign off on uh, bills. He has until the 31st of this month to, to complete that. So uh, we're watching a couple of bills that uh, we moved successfully through the General Assembly. Mm -hmm. um, the one that uh, was really important and specific to home care was uh, it gives statutory, it creates statutory authority for uh, a licensed nurse to do supervisory visits of home care or personal care aides uh, mm -hmm. in the home. So we see that as uh, a win-win for the industry. We've been doing, that's been a standard practice since the COVID, uh, uh, the, since the COVID pandemic uh, broke out last year. We've had great success with it um, and there's been no, no harm or uh, uh, putting anyone in peril by allowing that to happen. So we're excited about that. We look forward to that application. Um, and we've been working on that for a number of years. Um, we did also have a record Medicare personal care provider rate increases. Uh, the first one goes into effect May 1st of 6.4%. And then next year, 12.5% January 1st, 2022. Uh, and I think another, you know, the other large success we had was our work with other business uh, business coalitions in Virginia um, to move forward with uh, tax conformity so that state taxes would conform to federal taxes. Uh, this is particularly important where, where it revolves around the PPE money that was distributed. Um, and it forgives the first $100,000 of PPE loans from state uh, state income taxes. Mm -hmm. And that captured about 90% of the business community. So 
Wow. It's a win-win for small businesses and we're, uh, the governor did sign that. So that one is, uh, that one is a done deal. Still waiting on the other two. Yeah, that's excellent. You know, it's something that, and again, why the focus on the state, like you as a state association is so important. It's an area that many business owners hadn't thought about is the tax implications from a state perspective and what that would do, because these are a significant amount of numbers, $100,000, the state tax on that <laughs> would be a lot of money for small business owners. So um, exciting to hear that all that hard work you know, is paying off. It's so important, I think, when our government, and this is a generic statement, right, listens to the advocacy groups and the business community and the community. Because as you, have, you and I have discussed, any cost in, for an agency to deliver home care ultimately impacts the affordability of home care for the clients, right? For the patients, for the users of it, for the community. So love to see all that work come into fruition. So as always, legislatively and regulatory, um, changes have been made that are going to be difficult for businesses to navigate uh, that are going to impact home care agency operations, uh, maybe even impact some costs. Can you tell us what were those and what are, is, are the home care agencies, what can they do to either mitigate some of the costs, keep some of the costs low as a result of some of the changes that have happened legislatively? Yeah, yeah, a great question. Uh, I, I want to, uh, I said earlier that we had record rate increases for Medicaid personal care providers, and there's a big giant caveat to that. <laughs> um, last year, the Virginia General Assembly and the governor signed off on Virginia specific minimum wage requirements. On uh, May 1st, Virginia's minimum wage goes to 950. So uh, that will be the payment floor for anyone working in the state. And then uh, January 1st, 2022, it moves up to $11 mm -hmm. an hour with uh, the discussions are the ultimate end number will be $15 an hour, which is similar to what the federal government's also uh, tossing around right now too. Right. So um, those rate, record rate increases in a normal year would have been cause for great celebration. Um, unfortunately, uh, as, you can see very quickly, there's a big jump in minimum wage. Um, so we're very concerned that, that those rate increases may not be sufficient to keep up with the minimum wage. Mm -hmm. And from a private duty perspective, private pay, a, a customer that pays for their own services, um, it, there will be significant increases uh, in the cost of care. And there's great concern about the viability and how long families or how much families are willing um, to, to pay for these types of services. But it'll be a general inflation all across uh, every business sector in the Commonwealth. Right. Um, you know, and, 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 and as I mentioned before, sometimes it's not always about a win, but mm -hmm. it's about how you can narrow something so it doesn't have as big an impact uh, as it would have uh, as it was initially introduced. And one of those was uh, a piece of legislation that had mandatory sick leave requirements for businesses um, and uh, it had a very high uh, impact, uh, economic impact on Virginia and even on 
on state government, um, we were able to narrow the focus of that uh, paid sick leave to a, a, a small narrow group of Medicaid consumer directed attendance only. Um, but we, I will say we do expect to continue to see um, these types of uh, uh, pieces of legislation um, as our, the nature of our uh, General Assembly gets changed uh, in with the last election cycle. Mm -hmm. So um, that was a big win to narrow mm -hmm. uh, that piece of legislation. And as you know, we work every day um, on scenarios with our members about operational issues that not only save them time and resources, but enables us to leverage our relationships um, to help them manage their costs. Um, we have great working relationships with all the state regulatory bodies. We do a lot of work in the managed care um, area too, working with the with health plans. So um, we work with members that have issues with billing uh, billing issues, um, insurance authorizations, and all types of uh, regulatory compliance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so a, a, a comment there in terms of your point about narrowing the legislation, you know, that's where the, you know, decades, right, of policy experience comes in, in terms of, and that's something that I've learned through this process, it's you may not necessarily be successful in blocking an entire piece of legislation, but with your advocacy and, and other business associations and leaders focusing it on a segment, it, it ends up brunting a little bit of the of the of the, the downstream implications. So, and then the second thing I, I will say regarding your point about working with the agencies every day to manage costs, I had the opportunity to speak with. Um, one of the agencies who happens to be a VOC member and your, your point about the relationships with the legislative, uh, the regulatory bodies, you know, what was shared with me is that issues that had been stalled for months that were having a direct impact on the agency's financials were solved within days in, in more than one scenario um, because of VOC's involvement and, and yes, leveraging the relationships and just knowing what to do and where to go. So as we look at minimizing some of the costs that are unnecessary because there's these other uphill uh, wins, right, that we're gonna face, it's all better for, as I hear from you regularly, you know, better, better patient outcomes, better patient care. Um, so in your earlier comments, you noted that there was a continued presence, uh, preference for home care as the model. What types, you know, as, as you work with agencies, not just to maintain costs, but help them grow and, and op, you know, take advantage of this growing trend of the market preferring this model. What are some of the things that you see agency members, what services are they growing? Um, what are they focusing on? And because of what I've learned, I did not realize that home care, home care was as customizable as it is and the various ways that you can use it. So what are some of those services that you're seeing grow that might behoove some of the agencies that are listening in terms of where they focus their efforts for growth? Yeah, you are absolutely correct about how uh, home care can be customized. Um, you, you know, we, 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 I think in the future we'll see more companionship type services on demand. Um, uh, we'll see um, models that do all types of uh, services for 
children, whether they be uh, those that would be otherwise in long-term care hospitals or nursing facilities, but mm -hmm. uh, other types of childcare services, uh, we're going to see uh, more support for uh, uh, complicated support for new mothers uh, mm -hmm. in their own home. Um, actually, home, that that was one of the one of the one of the most frequent uses of home care is that postpartum. Uh, home care services and, wow. and then ortho the traditional orthopedic types of services right uh, yeah we, we we are seeing again uh, more uh, community physicians and hospitalists referring patients um, to home care in lieu of skilled nursing care right now and uh, uh, we expect that we expect to see that become uh, more of a trend in the future uh, particularly how, as, as they see all the different things home care can do uh, in yeah. that setting. Um, private duty agencies have really been expanding um, their services. Uh, uh, a good number of them are doing uh, care management and have care management professionals. And that really helps to uh, better coordinate chronic disease management programs uh, in the home. Uh, we, we really know that is going to uh, continue as uh, those services really become the command center mm -hmm. for a person's care. Um, and it's better for the patient. Um, right. It's better for the family. So it's a really great opportunity for agency. Telemedicine is like another one of those things. Uh, we've been doing telemedicine and home care for uh, a very long time, but we've really seen a, an explosion in how it can be used in home care. So uh, we're working very hard to make sure that state and federal governments uh, recognize that and provide some type of supplemental comp compensation to agencies to do that, uh, do that type of services. Uh, we can continue to see referral partnership relationships uh, build and encourage agencies to really do a complete inventory of their service packages. Mm -hmm. uh, that they offer. A lot of times we do what we do, but we don't necessarily document it in a way and share it with the community as we could. And I think uh, one of the sort of the final uh, comment uh, that's really important is, uh, is about uh, what research is telling us uh, about talent management in agencies, uh, particularly in home care agencies. And those organizations that invest in talent management uh, generally outperform others. Mm -hmm. And uh, we hear, uh, we even hear that there's a six, six to one return on investment for um, those agencies that do uh, do training. So we're over, now we're starting to move past the crisis of the COVID mm -hmm. where we were in an all hands on deck sort of uh, scenario, we can move back to doing some investments in staff training um, uh, in the future, back, back to what we had done previously and, mm -hmm. uh, and even more. And uh, I want to say that uh, we are preparing now uh, for our uh, leadership conference that's going to be virtual this year again. Um, it's going to be in May. I, uh, we don't have the exact dates yet. We're working on coordinating those now, but it's with Dennis McEntee and he's uh, uh, with the Leadership Development Group. He is a very dynamic presenter 
And he's going to cover things like uh, how to create a drama-free team. And who doesn't need a drama-free team? Uh, how to thrive in chaos. Uh, um, and uh, really, one of the more important uh, skills uh, is coaching, how to coach staff. And um, uh, Dennis is recognized um, in developing high-performance leaders. He's put together a great package for us. And We'll have the details uh, about that uh, leadership training program on, on our website at www.vahc.org. Great. So I encourage people to go to our website and take a look at that. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's, um, those are fascinating stats in terms of the return on investment of, of leadership training, and it's great to see to your points, nothing new. You guys have been offering leadership as a, as a service to the members, but kind of a refocus on it is great to see. And I, as, again, as you always say, it's always about better patient care and better patient outcomes. Your comment about like the command center, right? Agencies having the opportunity to be advocates for care and kind of the centralization of all the different, because a lot of different services are typically involved. A lot of different doctors are involved. And um, I can imagine that, and in fact, we'll look that up. For our next episode, we will find stats on improved patient outcomes as a result of like better coordinated care. I think that would be helpful um, to, the, to the listeners. And so thank you, Marcy, for that recap of COVID, vaccines, uh, le legislative changes, reducing costs, leadership training, a very robust agenda. Um, I think you, next up, Marcy, I think we've got something here with improved outcomes, but I believe it's uh, workforce planning and strategy. Is that, that's our topic for next episode? I, it absolutely is. Um, uh, you know, home care agency is only as good as the workforce it has. And uh, um, well we're, said. Exci we're excited about what the future holds for home care. Yeah, well said. Perfect ending. So thank you, Marcy. As always, a pleasure uh, to have this conversation with you. And thank you to the listeners. And please stay tuned for episode three. Bye.